Welcome to Knowledge Cast by Ideals, presented by the Ideals Foundation. I'm Jack Williams, the founder of the Ideals Foundation, and we're excited to begin the first season of our podcast. We've got 15 guests scheduled during our first season that we think are going to provide you a broad spectrum of interest. If you want to view the dates of the future podcast and our guests uh, that we'll be speaking with, you can go to my website, www.jackwwilliams.com, and just click on the podcast button. Today, our guest is Ron Riley. Ron is a very successful real estate developer, a former successful high school basketball coach, a longtime teacher to a young married class at Hebron Church in Decula, and a former partner in what we jokingly refer to as our nonprofit business that was meant to be a for-profit business venture. Uh, and most of all, he, he's a great friend. Ron and his wife, Pat, uh, have been teaching and mentoring young married couples for over 35 years and have been instrumental in saving marriages, strengthening marriages, encouraging married partners, and helping marriages flourish. So, Ron, you've got a so welcome, Ron. We're glad to have you today. Thanks, Jack. It's good to be with you. Ron, you've got a, an interesting background, and you, as we said earlier, you were very successful as a high school basketball coach, and then very successful as a real estate developer. I'm just curious how much of what you learned through coaching made an impact in your success uh, in real estate? Great question, Jack. You know, I, I have to admit that uh, a lot of the things that we taught as coaches and we experienced as players really do uh, carry over into life. And I would say that uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is the word commitment. Uh, as a coach, as a player, you know, just the commitment to uh, to what you're trying to get done, what you're trying to accomplish. And with that comes what I would call a phrase called stick-to-itiveness. Uh, I can remember as a high school football player, I remember one of the biggest accomplishments was going through two-a-days. You'll remember oh, yeah. those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the South, uh, you know, the two-a-days were just were – just, terrible hot and there's a workout jerseys and uniforms and to, to make it through uh was a badge of courage actually and truthfully so uh and you know uh that point and then working with people jack uh it's really no different working with uh, your teammates or working with your players if you're a coach or working with people in the world of business uh, you learn that uh, people are the same and you have to work with them in order to get the goals accomplished that you're trying to uh, try to strive for. I agree 100 um, percent. Ron, you and Pat, I know, just celebrated your 50th wedding anniversary, and that's that's quite an accomplishment. Congratulations. Um, well, I get congratulations and Pat gets condolences. I yeah, think. I was going to say, I, I was going <laughs> to, you stole my line there. Um, what, what would you say has been the strengths of, of your marriage and why it's been such a, a meaningful relationship? Because you two are really uh, a model couple and you very rarely see one without the other. Well, you're kind to say that, Jack. Uh, I honestly, uh, to use the old coaching phrase, I outpunted my coverage with her, and I knew it from the beginning. So, um, I, I, uh, it was easy for me, Jack. I'll be real honest. It was easy to me. Uh, you're going to hear this word said several times during our conversation, but I made a commitment. Uh, one of the things I did not have the luxury of having a uh, 
a home where my parents modeled a great marriage. I'm not throwing my parents under the bus. I loved my parents, but uh, they were just a different breed. So one thing I've always said is I knew how not to do marriage. And I made a commitment that I would not uh, do that. And so I think a commitment. Um, Pat and I have discussed many times over the last 50 years uh, several things. And one of the things we talked about was I can remember the exact point, time, and place that I made a commitment that I would love her and I'd make her first in my in my heart and in my life. I don't want to be too soapy. And I've made a lot of mistakes, Jack. You know me well. I've made lots of mistakes. But uh, one thing I never regretted was the commitment I made to her. So, and and I have to say, I've I've, I've felt the same from her. Um, trust is a word that comes. Wow, trust. Uh, you know, one of the things I mentioned this, I'll back up a little bit and say it. Uh, I married the best human being I ever met. I didn't, I didn't marry the best girl I ever met. I didn't, you know, I married the best human being I've ever met. Best, Pat's the best human being I've ever met. I'm not sure how she got blinded to marry me, but anyway, I've never had to have the issue of uh, trust. Trust was a huge thing in our relationship, has been, always will be. Another, and you mentioned it, by the way, you mentioned that you rarely see one without the other. And uh, at this time and season of life, it's a little easier to do, but we were together. We chose togetherness down through the years. And uh, I've just never really met anybody that I cared to be around as much as I did her. So togetherness was another factor. And then finally, Jack, I'd be remiss if I didn't say my faith. I think that uh, I don't know how anybody makes it in this society today without a strong, uh, at least strong moral basis and foundation. And for Pat and I, uh, though with many, many errors, particularly on my part, I think the uh, the spiritual value of faith that uh, added to it really caused our relationship to solidify. So there's no truth about the rumors going around Gainesville that uh, New Holland, that she thought you had money. <laughs> That's a good, that, if that was a good one, I, I, I'm not sure who shared it, but it didn't take her long to figure out as she was marrying a poor coach. That was for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it didn't, that, that first paycheck convinced her. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, uh, I wanted you to join us today because of, of the vast experience that uh, you and Pat both have working with uh, young couples in, in marriage counseling. And uh, for the audience, Ron and Pat have led a church couples class for over 35 years. And in part of that class, you spend a lot of time, both of you, one-on-one -on -one with couples in counseling. Um, uh, you touched on a few things you may want to repeat, but maybe not. But if you had to pick three to five things that you think are critical for marriages to be successful, what, what would you think they would be? Let me, uh, let me be repetitive here. Commitment. I think one of the things that uh, first and foremost in our counseling uh, careers, if you will, Pat and I have found that many people have lost that commitment. What was it that we committed to? Uh, years ago, when we said those faithful words, I do, what was it that we really meant? And have we forgotten that commitment? 
So again, I would say a, re- a reminder to people that you've made a commitment to something and to someone and to other people too. The other thing I would say is so critical, Jack, is communication. Communication is such a vital key in marriages and and people would say, well, I see him every day or I see her every day. Yeah, well, there's a difference in seeing someone and communicating with them. I know a lot of people that I say, hey, how you doing? I'm not sure that really qualifies us for communication. But being able to uh, to sit with your spouse or to travel somewhere with your spouse, whether it's going to dinner or having a cup of coffee or sitting out on the porch, taking time to communicate. Uh, Pat and I ask ourselves the question often, is it still me and you? Is it still me and you? Yeah, we're doing business. Yeah, we're doing coaching. Yeah, we're doing uh, our ministry and so forth and so on. But uh, how about you and me? How are we doing? That's a, that's a question we ask each other a lot. How are we doing? So I would say communication. A couple other things I would just blend into it. Trust. We mentioned, mentioned that a little bit earlier. Trusting the other person that uh, uh, one of the things I, I've, I've said to Pat before is that uh, I knew at the end of the day she was going home with me. Uh, the trust of knowing that. And then time. Um, spending that quality time with, uh, with your spouse. Uh, and that's hard to do. Uh, let's be candid. Uh, we, we both have jobs when we're running and going and the demands of life and a lot of things that, uh, that can pull at us, uh, reminding ourselves of that commitment, communicating with each other and really finding out how that person is doing. And uh, those are, I would say those things. And communication is huge. We find that communication breaks down people began to go to different parts of the house and that relationships begins to deteriorate. I love that. How, how about me and you? I have not heard that one before. Um, what, what are some of the misperceptions, let's say people or couples have prior to entering their marriage that can potentially lead to future problems down the road? Yeah. Uh, I've often said, uh, Jack, that when you say you have a ministry of counseling and someone says, wow, that's nice, and you go, well, sometimes it is. I'm not sure sometimes it is all that good. Uh, There have been times when Pat and I have uh, counseled with couples, and we find ourselves at separate ends of the house and have to find each other and say, hey, wait a minute. You and I aren't having problems. They're having problems. We're okay, aren't we? <laughs> so, uh, so sometimes I have to. Uh, I wonder sometimes if it's uh, if you, you have to be very careful. Is what I'm saying, and realize that uh, you can't let someone else pull you to, to the level they're at. But to answer your question, Jack, I think we have a real disposable mentality in our country today. Uh, you think about cell phones. You think about uh, uh, things that just, I mean, once it has a life expectancy, you toss it away and you go to a newer, better model, a computer, for example. I, I remember as a teacher, Jack, I used to use, this will date me and most of our listening audience won't get this, but I used to use overhead projectors <laughs> and you had to draw on them. You remember those, don't you? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've heard, I've heard you talk about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
then you know we we graduated to you know to color ones or something like that and then we went to powerpoints and now all those things are archaic it seems like you know there's zoom meetings now like we're doing presently and i think that it's a mentality that causes that commitment word that i spoke of earlier to be diminished in value because i remember the first cell phone i got and i'm sure you do too i the money we paid for that thing was ridiculous. They're still not cheap, but at the same time, you can buy one and disposal, dispose of it. And I think we wind up using that same mentality to our marriages. The other points I would say is that many people into a, enter into a marriage and they view it as a partnership. Now, I know people use that phrase and you say, well, what's wrong with saying we're partnered together in marriage? Well, uh, you mentioned I'm in the real estate business. I have partners. You and I partnered in some business. And as we both know, partnerships are viewed as I'll do something if you do something. This is your thing to do. And that's my thing to do. And I think that in a lot of couples' minds and marriages today, they have this view of I'll do my part, but you got to do your part. I'll meet you halfway. Uh, a view of 50-50, if you will, Jack. And marriage is not 50-50. It's 100% and zero. It's 100% my willingness to meet Pat's needs. And really and truly, it's 100% her responsibility to meet my needs. I know that probably goes against the grain with what many people think about marriage, but I think the biggest issue I see is that view of 50-50, a partnership, or I'll do my part, but you have to do your part. And then one last thing I would just dial into that, Jack. Uh, I think you have to decide. I mentioned earlier when you asked me, uh, faith is a big part of my DNA, Pat's DNA. And we would have to say that many people today have a view of marriage that they see it's a custom I'm going to use three C words here, custom. It's a custom. We get married because that's a custom. You buy a dress, he gets a tux, you rent out a venue. It's a custom. Or they might see it as another C, which is ceremony. It's a ceremony. We do this ceremony where we have this elaborate place, a church or a venue, and we have singers and we have music and we have a dance. It's a ceremony. Or... What I would like to suggest is the, the third C, that it's a covenant, that you're making a covenant. And a covenant is something that is more than just a ceremony or a custom. It's where you're acknowledging we're making a vow to each other. They don't call them wedding promises. They call them wedding vows. Uh, you know, when our children would ask me, can we go to McDonald's? I'd say, we'll see. Well, they knew what that meant, or they'd say, "No, Daddy, I want to go to McDonald's." I say, "Well, let, let me let me let me see what I can do." No, no, Daddy, I want to go to McDonald's, and I say, "Okay, we'll go to McDonald's." And the next word out of their mouth was, "Do you promise?" Well, that they, then they got you. You know, I mean, you're backed up into a corner <laughs> because it's a promise, and you can't promise something and break your word. So to relate that to the covenant, when you stand before God and these assemble witnesses, 
are you viewing this as a covenant? And to me and Pat, we viewed uh, marriage as not a custom, though it's a great custom, not a ceremony. And we had a nice ceremony, but it was a covenant. So I would suggest that young couples today need to view this as we're entering into a covenant relationship. That's great. Um, last question. Uh, ladies that are in our audience, if you'll excuse us for a minute, I want to direct a question to Ron about mentoring men. Um, Ron, what advice do you share when you mentor with men who are either you know, currently married or will be uh, entering marriage in the future? What kind of advice do you give them? That's a great question, Jack. I, I'm going to I'm going to blend in my commitment word, that C word there, that commitment. Uh, I, I get, uh, I, I love college football. You do too. Um, one of the things that a, that a local school that will remain na nameless asks you to commit to the G. <laughs> and I'm sure that other schools nearby would say commit to the jackets or they're saying commit, commit to this. So, I would say to the men, uh, as, and, and as I counsel with men, I, I do, Jack, I ask them, you know, are you willing to commit? It's going to take a man. Any, any male can spend time with a female. I mean, you know, come on. We're all biologically capable of doing that. And, but can you really be her husband? Can you love her as Christ loved the church? And that takes a co big commitment because he sure made a big commitment. So that would be one of the things I would say, Jack. And then know the why behind your what. You and I do a lot of coach speak. And uh, one of the big things that you've taught and I've taught in various venues is know the why behind your what. I know you're this, but why are you this? I know you do that, but why do you do that? And Part of the things I challenge young men over, and I wish I'd have had this as a young kid coming out of <laughs> out of high school or before high school, if someone had said, do you know your why behind your what? Why, why do you do the things you do? There's a reason that you do them. Why do you do them? So I would, know, I would suggest to them that very strongly they know their why behind their what. And then Jack, I think this is huge for young men today uh, they have a counselor. They have someone, I know you use the word counselor and some people would think, wow, that means, uh, you know, you, you need help. Yeah. You're having problems. You're having, yeah. And it's a sign of weakness and we know big boys don't cry and we know that big boys don't need help. They can do it themselves. Well, the simple truth of the matter is we, we are big boys and we do cry and we do need help and we're not real sure that we know how to do it. And we sometimes lose that, uh, we lose our way in doing the why or, or knowing the why behind the what that we do. I, I think for me, Jack, and, and I put you in the category that I'm about to say, having someone that not only knows me and someone who I can go and ask their advice, but to know that they will tell me the truth. I don't need someone who tells me, yeah, you're right, Ron, when they know I'm not right. Or someone who 
better yet, would come to me even without my going to them and say, hey, you're out of line here. And yes, you're my friend, but you know, I've seen, I've seen you on, and this is not you, and you're betraying the why behind your what. So having a counselor that you can go to, and the scripture even says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Now, I think you got to be careful. You got to make sure that these are quality people. I remember as a young coach, Jack, and I've shared this with you before. When I was a young coach, and I mean an assistant coach, and I wanted to be a head coach, and I had delusions of grandeur of where I was going to go and what I was going to do. But one of the things I did was I called up the top five basketball coaches in the state of Georgia. Now, Jack, they did not know me. (laughs) I knew them. Their reputation was sterling. Their record was uh, something a young coach could only dream of. But I call them up and my conversation would go something like this. If it was Jack, I would say, Jack, this is Ron Riley. You don't know me, but I know you. You're a great coach. I'm not. I want to be a great coach. What do I need to do to become a great coach? Now, Jack, I paraphrased that and condensed it for this broadcast, but The simple truth of the matter is I was willing to go to someone that I knew was very, very good at the top of their game, if you will, and at the top of the list of quality coaches. Now, notice I didn't say I called a coach who had one year of success or maybe a couple of years of success. I realized you get a load of talent, you can act like you're a good coach, but that coach who had been in the fray for 20 25 years, they've been down the road. So I would equate that to say, get you someone who's stood the test of time, whose reputation is sound and solid, and ask them, you're a great man, you're a great husband, how do I be one? What I found is they'll ask, they'll they'll answer, they'll tell you. That's great advice, Ron. Well, uh, Ron, listen, thank you so very much for, for sharing your time and experiences with us today. Uh, you know, as we discussed at the beginning, uh, or, or should have really, our marriages and our families today are, are under attack like never before. And the insight and, and wisdom that uh, you shared with us today is so critical for those healthy relationships and marriages. And uh, we really, truly appreciate the, the time together. Hope you enjoyed today's time together with Ron and we'll encourage others to join us on our next podcast. And until then, I hope you'll make it your goal to be a positive influence in the lives of others.